Well, hello, and welcome to the IBCD Care and Discipleship Podcast. I'm Craig Marshall, and with me is Anne-Marie Gausward, and then we also have with us Zach Eswine. And Zach's here at the IBCD Summer Institute. We've had him doing some workshops for us and also a plenary session. And uh, many of you may remember that he came and did a ministry weekend based on Spurgeon's Sorrows and then also The Imperfect Pastor. So, Zach, it's great to have you back with us. Thanks a lot, Craig. It's good to be with you. When we talked a while ago about you coming, um, one of the things is I had been reading your commentary on Ecclesiastes, and then I know you've done work in the wisdom literature, and also you seem to really use that in applying it to helping people. And so you've just done three workshops basically using wisdom literature. Do you want to tell us a little about why you would go there for um, a conference like this? Yeah, sure. So when we think about sitting with people and uh, counseling walking alongside people. A lot of us have been steeped in the prophetic literature um, or the Apostle Paul, which is wonderful. Um, But uh, we're not as familiar with uh, these parts of Scripture, um, in in particular how Jesus is our wisdom and the fulfillment of that literature. So he's not only prophet, priest, and king, but he's one greater than Solomon. He's our sage. And the wisdom voice is very different. He uses indirect speech, Uh, It slows everything down. Uh, It assumes different postures of soul. It assumes that you listen to discern which kind of soul, which posture of soul you're talking to before you presume to have an answer. It also uh, assumes that you may not have answers. There may not be an answer in the moment, and you keep walking together uh, to find it. And so those kinds of of, uh, aspects of that voice are uh, completing to us. They, they complement a prophetic voice, but also they uh, remind us of how God speaks to us. So um, one of the things we talked about is just a reminder that uh, in the book of Matthew, uh, you, you have to wait two to two and a half years, two and three quarter years to hear Jesus say, woe to you. So he takes up the prophetic mantle, but he's, he's nearing year three before he does that. And so how is he speaking to us all the rest of the time? And uh, so we talked about when do you use the woe to you and to what posture of soul do you use that? But then how do you speak like a sage um, most of the time? And so that that's what we fleshed out together. Hmm. How has that come about in your own journey of understanding scripture and people and just the intersection there? What got you thinking about the wisdom literature in that way? Well, I think it's um, pain. (laughs) So uh, going through difficult times, those are the places in the Scripture that God's given us language uh, for sorrows and uh, grappling with the very real questions that we all have. And and so the combination of sorrows, but also it's where you just get to be an ordinary human being. The wisdom literature... Um, doesn't require you to know anything about redemptive history to access it. You don't have to know about David or Moses or Abraham. There's no conversations about that stuff. It just starts with being human and what you experience in this life under the sun. And so both the earthiness of it uh, and its language for sorrows, um, I think that's been a real help to me in the midst of hard times, and also in the midst of just trying to figure out how to do daily life. Hmm. Yeah. 
Do you find people respond well uh, to the wisdom literature, that it's helpful to them as you're able to interact with them on that? Yeah, what I experience is um, a bit of shock at first hmm. um, because, uh, I mean, we know this. We know that Jesus didn't speak to Zacchaeus or the woman at the well or the woman that washed his feet with her hair and tears. He didn't speak to them the way he spoke to the Pharisees in Matthew 20. We know that. But nonetheless, for a lot of us, our default is that woe to you place. You know, direct speech right at the will right now. Um, and, uh, and so to see, to walk um, passage after passage, seeing the Lord Jesus not do that, and then connect that with how that same language is used in Job or Ecclesiastes, for example, uh, is a bit shocking and, and then wonderfully reorienting. Um, at its best, it's helpful for our toolbox as ministry leaders to others or in ordinary relationships. Um, and it also can bring a sense of deep healing from the way some of us have um, experienced uh, the misuse of speech in God's name. Uh, and so, yeah, we get a lot of help that way. Are there any passages that lately you've um, found helpful as you've um, been seeking to interact with people who are struggling? And uh, if so, would you walk us through one of them? Sure. Yeah, one of the places I've been going to a lot lately is uh, uh, John chapter 21, particularly if someone um, is looking back at their life with regret or they're in a season of feeling like they've lost a sense of who God is to them and who they are, and they're trying to make sense of, of how they uh, merge in their soul in order to go forward. Um, so John 21 is where Peter is being restored by the Lord Jesus, and I find myself turning there a lot. And so I think why is because it, it begins by saying um, the Lord revealed himself in this way. So there's a real specificity about what we're about to walk through is a, str a strategy the Lord used. And so the first thing you see is, um, you know, Peter's at home. He's back home. He's in Galilee. He's fishing. And that's where the Lord meets him. And so I'll ask someone, Where's, where was home for you before you ever met Jesus? Where, where were you? What was it like? And, um, and then the next thing that happens is that the Lord Jesus appear, you know, is there and encourages Peter to throw his nets and catch fish. Well, we've seen this before. You know, this is a flashback. This is, but John tells us this is intentional. This is the way Jesus related, you know, revealed himself. So our Lord Jesus providentially sets up a very strong memory and resonance with Peter of how they first met and uh, how uh, the Lord uh, ministered by providing those fish. And Peter said, go away from me, I'm unclean, and, you know, all those things. And so I'll ask the question, where did you and Jesus first meet? What was that like? How did he show himself to you? And we'll talk about that. The next thing that happens is Peter jumps out of the boat. The others stay there. I might be stretching that a little bit uh, in the text, but it's hard not to think of an earlier occasion when Peter jumped out of the boat and everyone else stayed there. And so I'll ask the question. That, that was a moment of faith. That was a victory moment in Peter's life. You know, it, uh, it fell short. But it was beautiful, and so we'll pause there and I'll ask the questions about that. Uh, what are some moments of faith that you and the Lord have had together? Um, and then the next thing that happens is Jesus brings, when they get to a land in verse 9, 
they see a charcoal fire in place. Now, there's only two times that that Greek word is used um, in the New Testament, and it's used of the in this place and the fire where Peter warmed himself and denied he ever knew Jesus. And because John told us Jesus revealed himself in this way, that's just not an accident that it's charcoal fire. And so now, now Peter's being set up to take a look at his worst moment uh, in his life. Loaves and fish are broken you know, and, and eaten. I don't think there's any way that those guys could think about the Lord breaking bread. Uh, and I don't know how they could see that the same way, you know, in the way he's done that in their life and multiplied bread and fish. And then, you know, the, the do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And, uh, and but the thing about that is that, that's startling, is that Jesus calls Peter Simon, son of John. He doesn't say, Peter, do you love me? He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? I think that would be startling. I don't know how long it's been since the Lord called Peter Simon, but uh, it may have been a while. And uh, that's Peter's pre-ministry name. That's, uh, I don't know if it was a good thing that he was son of John. What was that like for him? Was that a good relationship? Was that a good experience? I don't know, but it's taking him back to uh, where he, who he was before he and the Lord ever met. And uh, if I'm meeting with a leader in ministry, I ask that question. I'll say, I'm Zach, son of Vern, son of Jan. Who are you? You know, And it's this reminder of the Lord's intentionally revealing himself in such a way that he's taking you home. He's reminding you how you first met. He's reminding you of uh, moments of faith. He's taking you into moment, your worst moments with him. Um, and then he's calling you back to your name before you ever did anything with Jesus. Uh, and what does that mean? And then, as you know, he's bringing him back to the question of love. So before Peter ever got into all this stuff, Jesus is saying, in spite of all this stuff or no matter of all this stuff, the question, Peter, is do you love me? Like, that's it. I love you. Do you love me? And, uh, and that forms the basis of his ministry, go feed my sheep. So it's not, um, Peter, are you gifted? Um, Peter, are you awesome? Peter, you know, whatever we would say, it's do you love me? Then go. Uh, and then the reason it seems like this whole thing is set up intentionally by the Lord is just confirmed because the next thing that happens is the Lord tells a little parable when you were young, right? So now he's... Recapping Peter's life, when you were young, you dressed yourself, you did what you wanted. Now that you're old, you're going to go where you don't want to go. You're going to get to fulfill your desire. You're going to glorify me, but it's not the way you would have done it. And, um, and then the next thing that happens is he brings him back to follow me. So it's sort of like a, this is your life, Peter, <laughs> bringing all that stuff back to before that moment when he denied he ever knew Jesus. And then entering that moment and then sending him forward. And then, of course, the humorous thing is that Peter still wonders what's going to happen with John. And Jesus has to repeat, I'll deal with John, you follow me. And so we'll linger there and ask, is there, is there somebody who's like a fly buzzing around your head? You keep wondering, what about them? And uh, what would it be like to let go of, of that person? And so that's very quick. But that's how we'll walk through that passage as a way 
of seeing how Jesus intentionally revealed himself to Peter and seeing a resonance in that um, for our own regret, our own needing to recover our rootedness and our name in him uh, in order to be able to go forward. One of the things that you're meant, even just in listening to, to you unpack that, it's over and over again, this concept of, of the love of Jesus, loving Jesus. You earlier wrote sensing Jesus. Um, I think a lot of times when people come to us, it seems that they're coming with a problem that they want fixed or remedied. And then the answer is somehow found in helping them grow in their love of Jesus. How do you navigate that? And um, how have you seen that in your own life as a need? That's a great question. There's a lot to say there. I think in a short uh, way, the first thing is is uh, an invitation to see Jesus, our Lord, more and more as he is rather than as I imagine him to be. And that's a lifelong task, and he's very patient. But just a subtle reminder that Jesus didn't speak English in the fullness of his humanity. He wasn't white. I'm, I'm a white guy from Indiana. I'm a white American from Indiana. He wasn't American. He... He would have looked Middle Eastern. Uh, he um, he didn't watch Netflix. Uh, he didn't vote Republican or Democrat. Uh, he is a minority uh, beneath Roman occupation. Uh, he has no electricity, uh, no air conditioning. He just the fa- just the obvious facts. Just walking through them. Uh, the same with the Apostle Paul. He's a convert, a Jewish convert who didn't speak English. Um, Never wore a suit or a, a big watch with a goatee, you know. He and uh, trying to get uh, out from underneath my own all the beautiful things about the my culture, but out from underneath uh, cultural veils to the Jesus of the Bible, and uh, and slowly beginning there, and then also uh, seeing the loveliness of who He is. So when he says to Peter, do you love me? That's just a, that's, that's beautiful. It's like, you know, do you think I'm awesome, Peter? Do you, are you smitten with me? Do you find me attractive as a, as a human being? Not, I don't mean that in, in a Western sense of sexuality, but, but like, um, do you uh, adore the way I talk? Uh, do you respect my convictions? Uh, do you love me, you know? Uh, and, and that, the loveliness of Jesus, those two things are connected. My cultural assumptions about who Jesus is, realizing he's not actually like me in a lot of ways, and he doesn't agree with everything I think or, or say. And then uh, differentiating in that way and then learning to see what is beautiful and lovely about him. Uh, those Those two things aren't, quick but um that's the journey we're on Mm. i think what it is is um i've come to see that jesus isn't speaking like a prophet there he's not wearing the prophetic mantle he's speaking like a sage and so uh, he took time with this whole process he set all that up and um it's inductive for peter so peter doesn't it, it's not a prose, um, what, what is it? It's not a uh, three bullet points. Peter, here's what I'm going to do. So the fact that it's like that in front of us in the text means, okay, how do I follow his lead? And, um, and, and knowing that 
that inductive process is going on, and Peter's encountering that, and he's having to make sense of that with each data point um, that unfolds. I think the that the text being that way l- leads me to feel I can slow down and ask us to consider, you know, because that's what Peter's having to do. Yeah, yeah. As you've um, gone through pastoral ministry yourself, been in that for many years, and um, experienced the ups and downs of um, helping people, of of ministering, um, what has, because I know from your writings, you've experienced downs in that mm. whole process as yeah. well. Uh, and, and I think um, for our listeners, just as we're thinking about it, we're excited about God's word, excited about the beauty of Jesus and holding him forth to others. But then there are times when we just feel so discouraged over either lack of change in our own life or these situations that just seem overwhelming and beyond us. What are things that have helped you weather those downs and that keep you going in caring for people? Yeah, thank you. Well, one of the things is is Jesus himself saying, ask, seek, and knock. Uh, so to ask, we bring our questions. Uh, to seek is... We bring our desires, our directions, our, our direction, our dreams to him. Uh, to knock, that's a closed door we wish was open. So that's a frustration. Um, that's an unanswered, unfixed thing that we bring to him. Uh, and then he tells us that our father isn't the kind of God who would give us a scorpion or a snake. So he's, he's interacting with how I might think God is in contrast to who he actually is. And then all that's wrapped up in promises um, and so uh, the fact that he has that disposition to invite all of that to him. Uh, again, that's different than what the prophet would do. The prophet wouldn't say, what are your questions? <laughs> you know, uh, but, but Jesus in that case invites us that way. And so I think that's number one. And then I think because of the wisdom literature, like I'm blown away by this purple tree you guys have here. I think someone's called it a jacaranda or something or something like this. I've never seen a tree like that. And uh, earlier in my life, I would have never noticed. But now it's vivid and brilliant to me. I, we don't have that in the Midwest, and the Lord created that. And uh, there's a pleasure in it. It's not an eternal pleasure. It doesn't satisfy my whole, my whole soul, but it is pleasurable to see. And, uh, and so little things, um, the people who are in front of me... Uh, and uh, a voice on the phone back home uh, having dinner, Father's Day, uh, when uh, my own storyline wouldn't have, you wouldn't know necessarily that I could assume I would ever have a, a beautiful dinner on a Father's Day, you know, and like a, so learning to see that these little things that God's created in this world and given to us are meant for our pleasure, uh, the, the beautiful, noble kind of sweetness to our soul, um, and then I just need people, uh, uh, people who um, don't, uh, people who know how to weep with those who weep, rather than fill, change the verse, teach those who weep, correct those who weep, um, silent treatment those who weep, uh, undermine those who are weak, take advantage of those who weep, make fun of those who, whatever it is, you know, to actually weep and be quiet. And that, that, that's rare in the world. Uh, 
and to find a, a friend or two that is able to give that to you as well as rejoice with you. They don't, they're not, uh, they're not trying to take your joy. <laughs> they're not trying to guilt your joy. You know, you're, they rejoice with you. I think finding a few pockets of people like that, or I don't know how to get through without those gifts mm-hmm. in Christ. Yeah. Well, Zach, it's been so great to have you with us again. We're so thankful for um, your writings and also the messages that you bring and just uh, the voice that you bring to us as we're thinking about using God's word well as we interact with people. So it's been a real pleasure to have you here again. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks for listening to the IBCD podcast. While we aim to provide these resources for free, there are always ongoing costs to produce and distribute our material. If you've benefited from our resource library, we ask that you consider supporting IBCD financially. Even the smallest gift helps to maintain and grow our library.